today I want to talk to you about an overflow of love. And I love the fact that we've got the youth in with us today because um, Ruby and Roxy get, uh, got baptised. And youth, you are such an important part of our church. We love you. We believe God's got a purpose for your lives and we can't wait to see what the Lord takes you into. Uh, but today I want to remind us all of our three goals as a church. Like, why do we exist? And that's to love God, love people and make disciples. You may have seen that on the flags as you've come in. You might have seen it on some flyers as you've gone around. To love God, love people, make disciples of Jesus. But the question is, why? And the reason is that everything we are and everything we do stems out of and from an overflow of God's love for us. Everything comes firstly from him and it's an overflow out. And um, I'd love us to start actually on the third one, make disciples first, just because we've seen that at the back there. So we're going to look at making disciples, loving God and loving people. Firstly, make disciples. Comes from a different part of the Bible, but it's at the end where Jesus speaks to his followers just before uh, he goes back to the Father. And he says and gives them a commission. He tells them, tells them this in Matthew 28, which will appear. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's given them this like instruction. And um, I love, there's a guy called J. John, who um, is an evangelist who loves going around telling people about Jesus. And he talks about what making disciples is. He says it's three words. It's making, it's marking, and it's maturing them. And so firstly, make. We want, as a church, to make followers of Jesus, not of Will, not of Tom or of this church, but of Jesus. And as, as a church, we want to bring hope and good news to everyone we encounter. You know, it's why we do Alpha. And it's amazing on here, we had Boise, who was in my group on Alpha, coming back to faith on Alpha, understanding who Jesus is, life transformed. And there's 70 other who would have attributed to some extent what God has done in their life, thanks to Alpha. It's why we do it. And we want to do it because we want to give everyone the chance to encounter Jesus and to experience freedom, forgiveness, relationship with God, hope secured for eternity. And they need to hear the good news of Jesus. And so on Alpha, we hear story after story of what Jesus has done for them. There's a guy called David on Alpha who said, why has no one else told me this sooner? You know, this has completely transformed my life. And, you know, he's at work telling people about what God has done for him. We're called firstly to go make disciples. Secondly, we're called to mark them. You'll see that in that part of the reading. And it says in verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But what is baptism? Baptism signifies your inclusion in God's family. It's like publicly declaring to the world, I'm not ashamed to belong to God's family. You know, Jesus commands this beautiful act, which we've just witnessed there. 
You know, baptism declares that we have a faith in Jesus, that what Jesus has done in dying on the cross and rising him, we can partake. And so when the guys and the girls were lowered underwater, they're dying to their old self. And then when they're lifted up and we're cheering, why are we cheering? Because they've been made new and they're declaring their freedom they have in Jesus. They have new life and it's a celebration of this new life that we've just witnessed there today. And baptism is like a physical picture of what's been going on inside. Um, Baptism doesn't make you part of a family. Ultimately, you could say we're putting water on people's heads. But baptism signifies that we are part of God's family. And so we come into God's family through faith in Jesus, like these guys all declared their faith in Jesus. And baptism signifies that. It's a little bit like my wedding ring here. Sophie and I, my beautiful wife here, got married seven years ago. And some people have been married a lot longer, but um, she's amazing. But on that day, what do we do? We made promises and we declared ourselves to each other. We became a new family. And this wedding ring symbolises that. Actually, I want to publicly show to people, look, I'm married. You know, this is, you know, I belong to Sophie. Sophie belongs to me. And that's what baptism is. It's like that signifying of that. You know, you, anyone could go and put a ring on their finger, couldn't they? And be like, oh, you know, I'm married. But it's not that. It's not the ring that does it. It's what it signifies of what's happened. And the same way in baptism, for those guys and girls who've done that, it's signifying their faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, the only biblical condition for you to get married is that you believe in Jesus. And so there might be some other people here like, oh, I missed out today. And we'd love to baptise you another time because you don't need anything else than trusting in Jesus and who he is. So we make them, we mark them. Thirdly, we mature. Verse 20 said, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, that's our prayer for for the seven who got baptised today. And for all of us here who are followers of Jesus, that we would mature as disciples But what is maturing as a disciple? What does it look like? Well, Jesus summarised it in a command. He says, it's to growing in love for God and love for people. And we together want to grow in loving God more and loving people more. You know, it's why we're gathering midweek in deeper and why gathering together is so important. We want to intentionally build each other up in the faith, to go deep with one another in Jesus, to mature and to grow in our, not just understanding of him, but in loving and worshipping him and a call to love each other. We want to be matured and mature others as disciples of Jesus. So that's like the what. That's what we do. But what's the why? Like, why do we do that? Well, let's look at loving God and loving people. Firstly, to love God. Why do we love God? Why do we love God? Well, our passage, it tells us because he loved us. And we see two different ways in our passage in that 1 John 4, if you've got it in front of you, 1, 2, 2, 7. There's two ways in our passage that he shows that. Firstly, he's given us the chance of new life. Verse 9 in our passage said this. 
He, as in God, sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him, that our past, our old stuff is done and that we have a chance of new life. Forgetting the past, walking into the present and the future with hope because of what he's done. Secondly, how do we know that God loves us? How has he shown it? Well, he's wiped away any guilt or regret from our past. Verse 10 says this. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you might be thinking, that's a bit of a jargon word. What on earth does atoning mean? And atoning basically means to blot out, to cover up, to make new of what was stained. Um, I remember working in London and um, I was going into a meeting and um, it was in like a fashion house called Burberry. And um, so on that day, I decided to iron my shirt. I don't always do that, as you might be able to see. But I decided to iron my shirt. So I got on my crisp, white, perfectly ironed shirt, in my opinion, and knew, like a tie-on, so I tried to be as fast as I could. And I turned up to this meeting. And um, in, the, in the meeting, you know, I thought it was going really well, but occasionally get a weird look at my, someone would look at me in a different way. And I didn't really work it out. So anyway, left the meeting. Um, and as I left the meeting, I realised why there'd be like a little laughter or people look at me in a weird way. And it was because um, that morning I had a bacon sandwich for breakfast and I love ketchup. Um, and you can imagine like this ketchup stain was nearly as long as my tie down my crisp, beautifully white shirt. But what would atoning there? Atoning would be getting that ketchup, getting rid of it so you couldn't see any stain at all, blotting it completely out. That's what Jesus has done on the cross for you and I. That our past, our guilt has been done with because of his love that he poured himself out to be an atoning, a blotting out, a covering up of our sins, my sin, your sin, the things we've done wrong that keep us up at night. He wiped away everything so that we don't have a need to have any guilt or regret from the past. So from this overflow of God's love, his two ways that we've seen of him loving us, we want to love him and we want to love people. You know, we want to love him by pursuing his presence. You know, we do that. We gather together, you know, monthly for a prayer meeting to pray and to pursue his presence. We do that together in Kingdom Come in two weeks' time where we're going to pray and just meet with the Lord and pray and receive more of his love but pursue him. You know, I do it individually and lots of us do it individually. I spend time in the Bible. I read something called uh, The Bible One Year. It's a simple app you can download to help you journey through the Scriptures. But it helps me to, to love God but to also to hear what he's got to say and it impacts my life. When I don't do it, I notice but when I do do it, it transforms my day. You know, we want to spend time with Jesus, the one who loves us. But be encouraged. You might feel like, I find it quite hard to love God. You know, it can feel quite hard. Well, you can pray. Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your love? And when you pray, come fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. What do we do? We want to worship him. And we want to love him more. So it's not out of like grind, it's out of the Holy Spirit coming inside us that he births a love for God in a greater way. So we want to love God, that him be our desire. And lastly, we want to love people. 
And you might be like, there's some people I find quite hard to love. I might be sitting near them. Um, or I know them, my neighbours. So how can we love people? When our reading, we saw that we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. We love people because we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. In our reading in verse 13 and 11, it talks about the Holy Spirit, that God has given us his Spirit, the Spirit of a living God living inside us. In verse 11, that God lives in us. That's how we love people. But I'd love us to take a step back and remind us, where do we like fit in God's story? You know, like the Bible, where are we? Where do we fit in the story? And so there's like four big blocks in the Bible. Four big like acts, four things that happen. Firstly, we have creation. And in creation, God makes everything. And God um, says everything is good. He sees humanity and made humans. And he's like, they're very good. And God and people are walking like perfect union. So there's creation. Then we have decreation, where like creation is spoilt. That human rebellion, sin, causes a separation from us and God. And, you know, we're not reflecting what God's wanted us to do. So our relationship with God is broken with God and each other. So that's decreation. You may have heard it being called the fool. And then we have the recreation, which is basically all of it has been leading up to. And Jesus comes into creation. Jesus gives up the glories of heaven to renew everything. And he does this by reversing the effects of decreation, the separation that we and God have He pays a price on the cross for that. He takes my sin and your sin that separated us and he takes it on himself that we can walk in union with God again. And Jesus doesn't just stay on a cross and dies. He beats death and he rises again three days later. And he is alive now. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. Those who follow him, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And that, what Jesus has done, means he recreates people. And when we give our lives to God, like we've seen there, we are made new. We are recreated. We are born again. The old is gone. The new has come in Jesus. You know, we're given a new heart and a new spirit. And we've given a new purpose as agents of transformation, with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside us to see transformation wherever we go. Because Jesus is alive and the Spirit is at work, we can seek to bring hope to everyone that we encounter. And then lastly, we've got this to look forward to. It's the new creation. It's what is going to be fulfilled in its completion. And we're waiting for Jesus to return. And he promises everything is going to be made new. New heaven, new earth. And for all those who are in Jesus' new life. But for those who aren't, there's a separation, as our passage says. So it's an urgent time that we live in. An important time as in that act three of recreation before Jesus comes again. But what I love here as I look out, 
I know so many people here who are like showing and have overflowed that God's love into the people they meet in what they say and how they live. Seeking transformation in leatherhead for Jesus' name and you'll know who you are. A friend of mine in the pandemic, I don't know how the pandemic was for you, but you know, it's tough for a lot of people. A friend of mine um, is called Pat. And Pat um, Allerton, during the pandemic, would, um, he lived in Notting Hill, would go and cycle around to different places, outside hospitals, outside different estates, different places. And he would, um, he would sing a song, Amazing Grace. And then he'd lead people in a Lord's Prayer. You may have seen him on the news. You may have spotted him. But what I love is um, that he wanted to bring that amazing joy that we have in Jesus and hope we have in Jesus to people. But a journalist from, I think it's the BBC, asked him, so why are you doing this? Like, what's given you the reason to go out and do this? And he said, what's on the screen? Jesus died on the cross for me. You know, this is the least I can do. Jesus died on the cross for me. This is the least I can do. And as followers of Jesus, we want to echo those words from Pat. And we want everything we are and everything we do to be in response and out of an overflow of what God has done for us. Got a little demonstration of this, not just because I'm thirsty. Um, You know, this is me. This is me, and um, I want you to imagine this is Leatherhead. So this is me. And when I pour myself out, out, what happens? Nothing comes out. You know, I can't give out what hasn't been poured into me first. You know, this is God. This is God. And remember, God says that in the recreation, that God has filled us with his Holy Spirit. And God has filled you and I, us who trust Jesus, with his Spirit. God has filled me with his love to overflow. God has filled me with his kindness to overflow. God has filled me with his patience to overflow. God has filled me with his forgiveness to overflow, his gentleness to overflow, to overflow in love for others, to the people around. Not because of me, but it's his love that is pouring out and pouring out into the people around. And that's why we pray God, fill my heart with your love. God, fill my heart with your love for other people. Because it's God's amazing, glorious, wonderful, sacrificial love. That is what we want people to encounter. It's what will overflow out of us as we've received him to every single person we encounter. It's all from him and then it goes out. We, as a church, want to overflow with God's love to the people we meet.
Amen.